all ready to rock and roll. Right, and we're into it. That is your fancy intro. Welcome to the podcast. Uh, so today I'm joined by Phoebe Schechter. In fact, have I, have I pronounced that right? Schechter? Yes, you have. Yes, You're I correct. have. Awesome. <laughs> Who is a uh, NFL, uh, NFL <laughs> American football player and coach, personal trainer and general all around pretty versatile person. Phoebe, nice to hear from you again. It's been a while since we last talked. Thank you for coming on the podcast. How are you doing? Thank you so much. Yeah, well, thank you. Thank you so much for having me on. How's everything with you? It's really good. Yeah, I'm excited to, to catch up properly. Alongside being a, a very talented athlete and coach, Phoebe is also one of the hardest people in the world to pin down for one set time. <laughs> She's just too busy. This is true. <laughs> I just never know where in the world I'm going to be. <laughs> right, exactly. Rockstar lifestyle. Oh, yes. <laughs> so... Um, could you just briefly, I guess, tell people a little bit about what you do, your sort of day-to-day roles and things? Because I know that you coach American football, but that's quite a broad thing to say. So, yeah, could you could you just sort of tell people a little bit about who you are and what you do specifically before we jump in? Sure. Um, so where, well, literally at the moment, I'm actually in the States and I am coaching with a Division One team out here called Bryant University. Uh, and my job is basically kind of shadowing the offensive side of the ball, um, helping with any sort of football operations. Uh, and then obviously when it comes to practice, you know, getting involved in that, getting ready for games, scouting. Uh, so that's my main thing for the next three months. Outside of that, I, back in the UK, uh, I'm a personal trainer. Uh, I'm also very lucky to be captain of the Great Britain women's American football team, um, captain of England Kabaddi. I also play uh, flag American football, which is kind of like touch rugby. Uh, so I've got a few a few strings to my bow, that's for sure. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and you, you also spent a few weeks this summer interning with one of the uh, NFL teams, didn't you? So that was, I think that was where I got my confusion from in the little butchered intro I did um and that was which team was that that you were training with or coaching with sorry so I was with the Buffalo Bills which are located in upstate New York um and that was an unbelievable opportunity I I basically um it's part of something called the Bill Walsh Diversity Fellowship which is kind of allows minorities um and any sort of you know diverse group to participate and get a, a foot in the door essentially with the NFL um, obviously predominantly it's always been a male dominated sport amongst other sports throughout the world. Uh, and this was a fantastic experience. I shadowed the, um, defensive side of the ball. So cornerbacks, um, so I was with them and for three weeks and just totally immersed in the sport and, and it was incredible. Awesome. Yeah. We're definitely going to get into some of the details of that, but like you said, you've got uh, a lot of uh, strings to your bow, lots of different things that you do. Um, yes. <laughs> so let's go, let's go back to the beginning a little bit. Um, how long have you been playing American football? And how did you, in fact, how did you get into that? Because you, 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 uh, are you, you're American born, but yes. you, you play for Great Britain and now you're back out in the States. It's all very confusing. I know. I feel that way too. Yeah. How did this all start? 
I'll clarify. So basically, my mom is British, so I have dual citizenship. Um, and I moved to the UK five years ago now. Uh, I got a job with a gentleman on the Dutch Olympic team for three-day eventing, which is horse stuff, basically. Um, and I just thought it'd be a great opportunity to live abroad. And then soon after moving over, I was looking for a way to meet people. Um, and that is how I found American football, just through Facebook. I went to some trials and pretty much the rest is history. Uh, so, you know, the thing is now, which is ironic itself, I, I obviously I learned to play American football over in the UK. Uh, and I finally feel like I'm at home in the UK. And a lot of my work is now calling me back to the States. <laughs> Yeah, that's funny. You do, I, I don't think many people come to the UK to learn American football. That's a, No, that's and I different. certainly did not think I'd be where I am now. <laughs> yeah. So when you were in the States originally, before you came to the UK, were you interested in American football then? Or was it something you just literally got interested in when you came to the UK? Truthfully, I rarely watched football. <laughs> um, I had seen like maybe a few Super Bowls, just kind of the bigger events. But I think being more horsey based, you, you, your interests are very honed in on just that. And that becomes kind of 24 seven. So I, I never in a million years thought that American football would ever be in my life, let alone directing me in life. <laughs> okay. So how old were you then when you first started playing American football? Um, I want to say 22, 23. I'm 28 now. Okay. So it's a, yeah, it's been a real fast track over the past four and a half, five years. Yeah. And that's quite uh, late to be starting any sport, right? Like most people, you know, want to compete and you get to a high level then to start a lot earlier than that. Was it, did you feel like you had a lot of ground to pick up starting at that age or... Is it different with with women's American football? Do you feel like more people start at a similar kind of age, like later on? Um, I think it's unique in itself that American football is such a sport in its infancy within the UK that people do end up picking it up later because we're still building up the grassroots element of it. Um, I think I was, you know, all through my life I played sport. Um, in high school I was playing uh, lacrosse. So, you know, and, and then working with horses is quite physical. So that element of it was never an issue. Uh, to be honest, I wish I had American football when I was a kid. I probably would have been a lot easier of a kid to, to live with. <laughs> Less stress. <Yeah. laughs> but uh, no, I do think it's a bit more common. You know, there's people playing up to their 50s, 60s in the UK. Amer and that's men and women. So it's definitely just something I think that's quite unique to Europe. Okay, that makes sense. So you you mentioned you're also captain of the women's Great Britain uh, American football team. It's quite a mouthful. I'm not sure how to word that properly. I know. Um, <laughs> which, which is quite the achievement by itself. How how did that come about? Were you how When did you get involved with the, the Great Britain team? So shortly after actually trialing for... Manchester I was brought along by one of the girls I met there they said just come try it out and I thought oh I don't know um went to it and then became a part of like you know they had a few trial days um I was I was trialing for a different position than I play now so I was trialing for 
quarterback, which is the one that throws the ball. Um, I think probably because I was American, they just thought I'll throw there. <laughs> um, but I, uh, it got to the point where there was another quarterback that came in that was miles better than me. And my head coach at the time said, if you want to continue to play for the team, you're going to have to find a new position. Uh, and they put me in at linebacker, which is like the defensive side of the ball, which I think is kind of like a, a flanker in rugby or, um, you know, basically my job is just find the ball and hit the person who has it. <laughs> it's like a fun job. It's, it's uh, you know, it suits me perfectly. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, do you feel like there was an expectation for you to be maybe better than the average person coming in, but just like purely on the basis that you were American. Cause like when I used to play basketball, I remember like whenever there was an American over, there was just some sort of like, Oh, he's American. He's probably a little bit because just, just because it's an American sport and you guys take it a bit more seriously. Like, do you feel like you had any of that? Like not pressure, but was, did you feel any of that? Oh yeah, definitely. And I still get it. I mean, well now I'm a bit more, you know, okay with it all, but when, when I first started playing um, and when I first do, started succeeding at football, people were like, oh, it's because you're American. You've played your whole life. You've watched your whole life. And I just thought, well, I've actually had, you know, the same amount, if not less experience than everyone over here. So, um, you know, I think they just assumed because I was American, I should be good at it. And that's why I was good at it. Not I'm actually working hard and trying to learn and just trying to improve myself and the team. So, yeah, you definitely do get that. Yeah. So, I mean, you've kind of, you mentioned a few of the positions and obviously they come with like explanations because in the UK, you know, American football is still not really that big. People, you know, do you, how do you see the sport growing in the UK? Do you feel like it's something that is getting picked up a little bit more or is it just something that's always going to be a little bit of a niche kind of thing? I think to a certain extent, it will always be a bit of a niche, especially when you get into the contact contact aspect of it. Um, however, it's definitely picking up. You get the NFL have four games over in, in London every year. Uh, the, they're also, you've got like the Jags Academy, Jags football team basically there, putting a lot of money into getting uh, flag, like touch, touch rugby into schools. That's making a really big difference because now you're getting the next generation, next generation playing this sport, uh, learning the basic skill sets. I think one of the issues we probably face in Europe is not having the same arm in terms of the quarterback when they throw the ball, the distance and accuracy that American quarterbacks can throw as opposed to Europeans is is game changing essentially. Um, so you know they're definitely making an effort to build the sport. Um, our governing bodies putting a lot of money into getting the youth and junior levels built up. So it is getting there. And, you know, it just starts with, with kids basically and grassroots, because although it won't be immediate, you're then building the next generation. And when those young kids get to see guys like Alex Jenkinson, who's gone Jenkins with, who's gone to um, the saints this year, um, you've got Alex Gray, he's with the Falcons, you know, we've got something like 10 guys playing in the NFL who are from the UK and, and that's huge for kids to see and aspire to be. Yeah, that makes sense because I feel like the biggest barrier to, for like, is certainly from my experience for people in the UK, like engaging with American football is that we just don't understand it. 
don't understand the rules because like you know people most people's complaint would be like it's very stop and start like mm. and that's I, I feel like that's like a manifestation of the fact that they don't understand why like it's stopping and starting and things so yeah like you say if you if you get kids involved at a younger age then they can actually learn the rules and learn about the uh learn about yeah. the sport and then yeah that, that makes yeah that makes more sense Exactly. And, and that's the same. Even when you look at the games um, and the games that are being played on TV over here, when there's a, a penalty, they're trying to now put rules up saying this is why this is happening. And that helps. Um, it's just it, like you said, I think it's hard when you come from a country where like rugby and football is so big. It doesn't necessarily allow time for other sports, but also it's the endurance aspect of what those athletes do. And for viewing purposes, it's much easier to watch because it's it's just an easy flow. Whereas when you do get to American football, if you don't know the rules and it's start and stop, it can be quite hard to follow or or boring for some people, to be honest, when they don't get what's happening. Yeah, definitely. And I think I think there's probably even a lot of rugby fans that would say that it's mostly just football that takes over because they they, yeah. they feel like they don't get the same <laughs> same kind of coverage and things as well. But yeah, it's, um, it's going to be hard to, to break through that barrier. I think we, we, we seem pretty keen on the old football. And, and I guess we like it because there's a ball that you kick with your foot. I mean, we're still kind of hung up on the fact that you guys have a, a, a ball that's not round and you play <laughs> with it in your hands and you're still calling it football. <laughs> I know. I don't know if that's going to change not gonna, anytime soon. That's not going to change. That's, <laughs> that's going to be our biggest barrier. Okay, so alongside playing, you obviously also coach the American football stuff. Um, the American football stuff. Um, <laughs> how did you start with coaching? Was that just something that came about just because you were good on the field, or were you? Was it something that you wanted to do yourself? Yeah, no, it was definitely a conscious decision where I, I know that I won't be able to play forever, despite in my head thinking I can. I know realistically that I won't be able to. Um, and football has really changed my life. And it's opened up so many doors to me that I just want to find a way to give back. And to me, the best way I found to do that is by coaching other people and giving any knowledge that I've been able to obtain and share it with everyone else. Because that's the only way the whole sport overall is going to develop. Um, and, you know, coaching, it's, it's great. I think at first I maybe struggled a bit in terms of when there was the ability for me to play as well. Um, I think you have to make a really big decision where, you know, I, you can't be a player anymore. You, you can only be a coach because you can't be great at both. Um, so I'm very lucky now, for example, to be, involved in this situation in the States where I'm now strictly just coaching three months, trying to develop others because there's nothing better than watching someone else develop and, and being surrounded by the mindset of they want to be better. They're here because they want to improve themselves, help their team out and they want to win. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Do you, is it hard to to deal with the difference in terms of how much is invested both I guess in terms of like finances and then just kind of passion in general like when you look at the states versus the UK comparatively because like 
you know, you're talking about the stuff that you're doing at the moment with like a division one team, which is like a university, right? But when, yeah. if you're, if you're listening from the UK and you're thinking about American football at university, like it's sometimes hard, you like, we sometimes forget like how big that is still at that level. Like I'm assuming, you know, you guys have quite a lot of facilities and, you know, lots of, you know, people come to watch the games. It's a big deal and it's not like a, you know, it's not like Sunday league type of stuff whereas i i i would imagine you maybe don't see the same level of quality um when you're doing stuff in the uk but just because we just don't put as much into it is, is that yeah is that hard to deal with when you come back to the uk um i wouldn't say it's hard to deal with. i mean to be honest where i am now is a volunteer role so i'm here out of my own pocket trying to become better and help others become better you know and maybe that if others knew there were these opportunities where as a volunteer you could come to a, a college or university and, and have self-development, you know, that would help the game grow back in the UK. Obviously when it comes to facilities and equipment, you can't beat what the U S has to offer. But even so, you know, you'll get some NFL teams who are over to play and they'll leave their equipment for other teams. So a lot of that stuff kind of goes on unnoticed or untalked about because it's just something they're trying to give to the community as well because they want to help grow it. Um, but I think, you know, in terms of in terms of the Sunday League stuff within the UK, the that's more of a mindset than anything else. You know, if you go to play Sunday League thinking, oh, it's just, you know, an opportunity to play some football with some friends and make it more social, then you'll have more of a social team. And that will be in any sport that you play. But if you go into it thinking you've got a head coach who's really willing to push you to be better and challenge you, and you're there to be better and help the team, well, then that will, that will develop. And eventually you'll have a product that you can technically sell to potentially a, a company that may sponsor you. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay, so moving on a little bit then. So this summer, you were you became the first female from the UK to coach in the NFL. Is that, yeah, how crazy! Correct, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So this is you. You interned with the Buffalo Bills, like you mentioned earlier. So uh, yeah, could you tell? Could you explain a little bit about? I guess like what was you, what your role was. Um, coming into that like what what were you what you were expected to do yeah sure I can I'll walk you through like an average day really um so we'd start at like about 6 a.m 6 30 a.m um basically prep everything for our our first practice because we'd then have team meeting at 7 30 from there we'd get to the practice field for 8 30 um and it's all about efficiency you know, you don't have much time with these guys. Maybe for individual drills, you have 17 minutes. Uh, and that goes by really fast when you've got a, a large group of guys to get coached. Um, so after practice, you then go and review film. So we watch all the practice, all the film from practice that morning. Uh, that takes us up until about one. Then you go into special teams meeting which is like your kickoff for rugby. Um, then you go into your offense and defensive meetings. Uh, then after that, you've got about an hour break to prep anything else you need for walkthroughs later that night. Uh, by then, you're at about 5.30. You have another meeting 
to go over any other install. And then it's already time for walkthroughs at 6.15 to 7.30 or whatever it may be. And then you're watching film and prepping for the next day. <laughs> yeah, wow. Big long days then. Yes, definitely. <laughs> so obviously, like broadly speaking, as as part of the coaching staff, you're, you're trying to improve the, the player's performance. You're trying to improve the team's performance. But did you have um, kind of specific goals for your role? Um, I think to obviously improve my knowledge to I wanted to find a way that I would help as well. I didn't want it to be a one way street where it felt like they were only aiding me. I wanted to make sure I could find a way to give back through knowledge, experience, whatever that may be. Um, but definitely, I mean, I think improving and building up my, my own confidence as a coach, you know, they, they always put me in a position to succeed. So I would lead the everyday drills and then I had to coach a classroom. And that's a bit intimidating when you're, you're stood in front of a whole bunch of guys in the NFL who, you know, know more than you do. Um, but you know, everyone was so brilliant and so respectful, so kind. It was just such a great program. And I think I got very lucky with that program in itself. I don't know if I necessarily would have had the same experience at another place, but coach McDermott, who's their head coach, he, you know, set the foundations and he, what they're going to have in the future is going to be really exciting to follow. Yeah, that sounds really cool. So yeah, like you mentioned that it's it's, it's an intimidating situation in a lot of ca in a lot of ways, you know, given that this is these are professional athletes that uh, you know obviously have big contracts that get paid a lot of money. There's a lot of pressure on them to perform, and you know, especially in today's game, there's a lots of analytics. So it's like every point tenth of a second counts, right? And every little piece counts. So did 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 you feel like that um, the pressure? you know, to, like you say, do do your job and do it properly and do it to a standard that, you know, where you're actually giving something back to these people. Did that kind of, did that pressure, you know, taper down a little bit as you got into it? Or was that kind of always there messing with you a little bit? Um, you know, I think the the main pressure I felt was probably that which I put on myself. I I wanted to be the best that I could be. I wanted to be helpful. I wanted to feel like I had a a purpose there, which they, you know, gave me that, that feeling definitely. Um, but you know, I, in my own head and it might be real, it might not be real. I wanted to take this opportunity and think, make the best out of it, put my best foot forward and give the best impression so that hopefully in the future, more women, more Brits, more Europeans will be given these opportunities. You know, there's a lot of fantastic coaches in the UK and in Europe and, a lot of times they're not necessarily given roles because they're not American. Um, so that I think would be the only pressure I felt. I mean, naturally you kind of go through this emotional little roller coaster uh, where I'm like, oh my gosh, I know nothing. <laughs> and it felt like the more I knew, the less I knew, it, the less I actually knew at times. But the that kind of worked its way out. And if I'm not, for me personally, if I don't feel like I'm in that sort of kind of stressful situation where I it's challenging me and it's asking me to grow how would I ever develop yeah definitely I mean it's it's a it's a, it's a tough step uh, 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 a tough step to take right but it's it's always it's always good for you when you can 
push yourself out of your comfort zone. So um, obviously, like you say, you were, you were trying to get as much out of this, you know, for yourself as much as you were, um, you know, trying to help those guys in terms of learning from that experience. And uh, one of the things I was interested to ask you about, I think, was sort of uh, around the ideas of kind of communication. Um, okay. Because I feel like it's it's uh, it's that's got to be quite a diverse situation like a complicated situation in terms of from uh, from the coaching staff's perspective being able to communicate to like large amounts of people to be able to communicate with people on an individual level to give them coaching cues and all these kind of things and then you know having that added pressure of like you say having these really specific time constraints and then you know knowing that you know this is everyone's competing at a high level it's all of these things are really important do you feel what do you feel like you learn a lot about kind of how to communicate uh, to kind of higher level level athletes or did you, like, well, maybe, what did you learn about, you know, how to communicate in general to, you know, improve people's performances, I guess is what I'm trying to ask, if anything. Um, I, yeah, no, I mean, I guess in, in regards to time management, your communication becomes key. Uh, when you're doing the drills, you need to find kind of little key words or, things that were going to stand up to stand out to them that they'll remember, okay, do this, do that. Um, preparation, you know, we would end up doing, if we were prepping for the drills that we were going to do the next day at the end of the practice, the day before we would go over the drills. So therefore it was more efficient, um, in terms of communicating with them, they're just like everyone else. And, and they, they don't always understand what you're asking of them. So if you have that kind of open door where they know they can, they can, communicate with you during class after class you know the the coach I was with Gilbert he had a really great way of almost testing their knowledge where he would say oh this is so and so um referring to a play or you know a position and they and just to see if they were listening if they said yes then you know and and if he was wrong or if they would say, Oh no coach, this is, this is that. He's like, Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> so I really like that, that style of learning because he's making sure they're paying attention, kind of keeping them on their, their toes, so to speak throughout the class and keeping them from getting bored or, you know, cause there's still athletes who have really long schedules, um, but testing their knowledge most importantly in their, their understanding of football. So yeah, I mean, communication is definitely key at that level. Um, and I think that, you know, each each person has a different way of communicating. Knowing your players is huge. Being able to, you know, if one person's more quiet, is that because he understands or is that because he doesn't understand? So just little little keys like that. It's just, I think, knowing knowing people and being understanding that everyone's human. Yeah, so it sounds like, like you say, the the efficiency is a big thing, and that largely comes from you know the meticulous level of preparation that you do beforehand, right? So everything's ready when you're you know on the field and going into it. Absolutely. So I I imagine that's something that you're going to expect anyway for there to be a lot of you know very meticulous planning and preparation and things. Was it even more intense than you imagined when you first got in there, or was it kind of everything that you imagined in terms of you know how much uh, attention to detail there is or all these different little things oh I had no idea right. <laughs> um I mean I got there I think my first walk through 
I was, I think I stood there like a lemming, just having no idea where to go, where to look. I don't even know where to look. <laughs> you know, my first week I had no idea. I'd say, I mean, in terms of playbook terminology, my, my mind was pretty much blown in that sense, <laughs> but it was good because now I'm like, all right, I got to learn this. I got to do this. And then it was, and then it taught me how to learn. So I was trying to learn everything at once because I wanted to know it all, but that's not realistic. So I had to find a new way to learn what was happening and break it down that way. Um, so yeah, no, definitely the, the speed of it all is, it is impressive, incredibly impressive. And, and all the attention to detail, things that you wouldn't even think of that, that they do. Yeah. What do you feel like your biggest challenge was coming in, coming into the situation? The biggest thing like you had to adapt to? Um, biggest challenge. I mean, I, I think really it was, it was learning the terminology, but besides from that, it was finding a way for the, the athletes to respect me. And that sounds really silly, but I'm, I'm openly a, a woman in a man's world and how you go about getting people's respect. I couldn't just walk in there and expect them to respect me. Um, so it was really great. My, uh, the coach I was with Gilbert, he, it took some videos of me playing American football and Kabaddi because it's very high tackling, high contact. And that's my favorite aspect of it. Um, and he showed them to the players. And after that, it was like, okay, you can ball. We're all right with you. <laughs> but it was, yeah, it was definitely a huge element to, to helping kind of, build up who I am and what I'm trying to do to help them and how I could help them yeah that's that's definitely got to be a tough situation to I mean like you said before all all sports really are generally more geared towards uh males or or um that's what we're shown a lot more but I would say American football has got to be one of the higher the, uh, on the higher end of that scale in terms of being you know more male dominant so I can imagine that being quite a strange situation Definitely. to be in i mean yeah so it, it did it just kind of it just switched from there once they once the guys saw that you know you could um that you could actually play and compete that was that was it the with the female thing just wasn't an issue anymore yeah and i never felt to be honest that it was a female thing at any point it was more so all right as a coach and i think most coaches would have to go through this what can i do to help them get better and how do i prove myself and that was really more of, of what it was than anything else. You know, they, no one treated me any different because of my gender, which was fantastic. And I think it helps, you know, they had a um, female coach there last year who was like the first uh, female in the NFL to be actually hired staff, um, Catherine Smith. So that was definitely kind of uh, at least softened the, the whole experience for some of the guys. But again, some of them have never, football's always been like a male thing for them. So I think they get used to having a female around. And it's not a bad thing because I think females bring a different edge to the table. Yeah. Would, would you like to see more women get involved in American football or do you just feel like it's generally more of a male thing, people who are interested will get involved? 
I mean, I think people who are interested will try and get involved, definitely, and, and hopefully they'll have the right people in place to help them get in, involved. But I do want other females and other Brits and other Europeans to know that they have these opportunities. They just have to take a bit of a risk or they, they have to be confident in what they know and confident and in what they don't know. I think that's equally as important. Uh, you know, it's no good to go in there and be like, Oh, I know this because the amount of knowledge that the NFL or that level of football offers is overwhelming. Um, but you know, I'm all about putting the right people in positions to succeed. And, and I've been so lucky to have unbelievable mentors that have done the same for me. So there's definitely space and, and there's a, a new era coming through of more females involved, whether that be coaching or scouting or statistics, anything like that, you know, those are not gender based. It's just trying to, to build up your experience of the sport. Um, and things like this internship, the Bill Walsh fellowship allow you to almost get like a three or six week, like intense course in American football, if I can say it like that. Right. Okay. Yeah. And then that's, that makes, that makes total sense. Uh, okay. So now that you're kind of removed from this internship, you've had this experience, you know, doing the, the, the coaching with the bills, what do you feel like was, I mean, I'm assuming there'll be lo- lots of things, but what do you feel like was one of the bigger things that you've taken away from that experience that you're continuing to apply to your sort of general coaching, um, both on the football field and off, I guess? Um, a lot of it was the fundamentals that I kind of learnt, um, but different styles of coaching. You see so many different people and and I was able to sit on so many different classrooms and I'm trying to create my own little version based off of all those different people's styles. Um, and I think that's the biggest thing. But, I mean, time management. I think coming back to the UK, I, even when I was out in Buffalo, I kept saying, this is this time management, this is, this is what we need to fix, this is what we need to improve on because it feels like you end up wasting so much time, especially when we only have either one or two days of, of practice. So just becoming more efficient in that way. Okay. Uh, can we maybe dig on this a little bit more? So when you're talking about, um, you know, being coaching different types of people, um, what are you talking about there? Are you talking about kind of the different ways people learn or could, can you give some sort of examples, broadly speaking? Yeah, of course. Um, so just different ways. Yeah, different ways people learn. Some are more visual learners. Some have to physically move through the actual movements of it. You know, some, if you're on offense, you are given a a route to run essentially. And some have to physically run that route X amount of times before they understand it. Or some need to see the big picture and then you break it down smaller. Um, You know, same on defense. Some, you may have a, like a drop zone essentially, what we'll call it, where you kind of where you need to get to. If you start in, start at A, you need to get to B. And some need to physically move through that to get there. Or some just need to write it down. Some some learn that way. Uh, and I think it's being open to all of those, but also finding a way that you can integrate that so that the whole class learns together. Because it's too hard if you're trying to individually pick people out. Well, how does this guy learn? How does this guy learn? So if you can find a more holistic approach that kind of 
checks on all of those different learning styles, you'll become a better coach because, and they'll, they'll learn more holistically. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. I definitely agree with that. So you don't have that. I guess they don't have a specific, you know, system or anything in, in terms of trying to identify how certain people, you know, learn or how, how certain people should be communicated with. Cause I know like some, some teams and some different businesses and stuff have people do different, like, you know, like personality test type things or performance tests, you know, things of that kind of nature that analyze people's styles of communication and learning and things. W- was there any of that going on or was it literally just you, you just kind of, you know, interpret mm. on the fly? Yeah. I mean, it's not necessarily a test. I mean, you may have that conversation with a, with a player, but I think it becomes quite obvious, especially when you're you're only with that set group of guys. So whether that's ten or fourteen, whatever it may be, um, you learn quite quickly who's actually understanding the information and who isn't. Um, and you know, thing that they've tried implementing is now we might install certain plays, for example. But actually, the way that we're trying to push it further is by showing them on video what that looks like. Uh, and learning through visual instead of just the X's and O's and, and numbers on a board. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. So having at this point now, then having worked with, you know, or been been around at least a, a, a big range of athletes in terms of ability levels. Um, what do you think the biggest differences that you've noticed between those that are, you know, at the, at competing at the highest level at the top of their game versus those who are, you know, sort of pushing towards that or, you know, are not necessarily shooting to be professionals, but are not your casual Sunday afternoon players. You know, they take it seriously. They want to get better. This, You know, they want to improve their performance. Is is there anything that you've noticed that's kind of different? Because, I mean, you, you mentioned before that, you know, you feel like they're, they're just people sort of like anyone else. I mean, are they just physically that much better or is there, what what do you think the difference is there? I think they definitely, you know, you can't deny that some, I mean, physically, these guys are at the top of their game. You know, they're coming from the best programs. They're number one in their programs, which are the best. And then they come into this to be be in a pool of number one athletes. Um, But a lot of it is definitely the mindset. So you could go to the gym or you could go do some some extra work on your own or whatever it may be. And you, you need to constantly be thinking and visualizing what, what that is that you do on the football field. Um, and that's a really big part of it because if you're constantly thinking, how can I get better? How do I improve? And that's not just fitness wise. That's, that's how do you study the game? How do you nutritionally take care of your body? How do you rest? All these elements add up. Um, and, and I think that's huge for any sport. If you want to be the, the best, you have to invest 100% into yourself and into your progress and, and how you do become the best at, what, at your craft. Yeah. Did you, you know, when, when you talk about that kind of 100% investment and you know, you've got to really kind of believe in yourself and have a lot of confidence, you know, a lot of people say that, there are it's quite common with elite athletes that you know people are quite sort of cocky almost towards being sort of narcissistic did you did you see 
much of much of that where people just have so much confidence where it's just kind of <laughs> it's just all a bit much or you know do you do you see people like I, I guess being a bit more humble and yeah you I mean it's like anybody else you know you're you're picking from a big pool but there I think within the Bills program and with the ethos that the head coach is trying to set there there's no room on a team for attitudes like that where they think they're number one because especially in American football it is all about what everyone does together you know we're all cogs in a machine and if this person doesn't do their job that doesn't allow this person to do their job and then nobody gets to win Mm -hmm. um you know I was I was really surprised by how polite and and humble a lot of these guys were you know they don't they don't come from the greatest background, some of them. Um, and this is their first big shot at trying to make it for their family. So you do get a lot of that humility within. And sometimes it can be a very fine line between confidence and, and cockiness. But for the most part, sometimes you, you want that kind of attitude when you're going against other teams, just not amongst yourselves. <laughs> yeah. Definitely. Do you, is, is that something that you've noticed a lot um, in terms of, you know, that kind of that confidence in t- and that uh, sort of cockiness in terms of competing against other people back to that kind of US versus the UK thing? Because I feel like that's something that you guys embrace a lot more than we do, where you're, you know, you know, trash talking and all that kind of stuff. Um, was it? Yeah, is there is there is there, a, is there a big difference from your perspective with that kind of side of it? And do you, I mean, do you feel like there's a good place for the trash talk and stuff like that? Because a lot of people feel like it's, you know, it's just cheap, it's gamesmanship, it's whatever. It's, but it's a big part of American sports culture, right? Yeah, it does seem that way. I mean, and even in in football, like soccer, football in the UK, you definitely get that as well. Um, I'm personally, you know, my belief system is is trash. I'm not a big trash talker. I'll be honest, because to me, I want my skill set to represent me. Um, and I shouldn't have to trash talk in order to, to get my point across. Um, but everyone's different. And again, it comes with personalities for some people that helps kind of fire them up a bit. Um, and I think there is a place for it to a certain extent against other teams. When you're at that sort of elite level, you know, if you can get into somebody's head, go for it. You know, that's going to help our team win. Um, obviously not to the detriment of the team. Um, but again, I think that comes to, down to a personal opinion and the name, you're not trying to micromanage everybody's playing. You know, we do so much micromanaging in terms of this exact step here to go here. So when it comes to the actual playing, you're going to do what comes innately to you anyways. Right. Yeah. And that makes sense. Okay, so looking forward then in terms of you, I'd imagine that, you know, you have goals to keep coaching American football and you're obviously going to want to keep moving up in the ranks. Is it your goal to coach in the NFL eventually, like to be on hired staff? And, or is that... Yeah, to, I yeah. mean, Sorry, definitely. I would love... No, I interrupted you. <laughs> I would love to be an NFL positional coach. That would be my goal right now that is definitely my goal but I've got so much development and learning to do I just 
don't have the experience yet for that. So the more internships and more experience around American football that I can get, hopefully will make me a, a more well-rounded coach. Um, and that definitely is, is my, my long-term goal. Yeah. So I'm sure it will kind of change and adapt over time, but what are the things at the moment that you feel like you really need to kind of improve on or keep, keep learning to, uh, to improve yourself as a coach? I mean, I, I know you mentioned about little things like terminology and playbooks and stuff, and maybe, maybe less on the technical side, maybe more from the sort of the coaching in terms of the communication, the relationships and all that kind of stuff. Like what, how, what kind of things do you feel like you're, you're needing to improve on and how, how are you planning on going about learning some of that stuff? I mean, obviously like you say, you know, put yourself in the positions, do the internships and stuff, but yeah, have you thought about that kind of journey at all? Yeah, definitely. And that's, I mean, that's really why I'm in my internship now. I'm so currently I'm with offense, which is the other side of the ball for me in terms of I've always been a defensive coach, defensive player. Um, and my thought process now is if I learn the other side of the ball, I'll have a better understanding as a defensive coach because I'll, I'll have some idea of what the offense are trying to achieve. Um, off of that as well, I just think it is just building your confidence. The more coaching and being in front of people like that, that you can do, the more confident that you get. Uh, and that's, I think, in any job, whether that be within business or within sport, the more you do something, the more confident and hopefully the better you get at it. So it's all very translatable in that way. Um, but, you know, even being able to sit in with the head coach here at Bryant, I can, I can see how his mind works when he breaks down film and that, that helps tremendously. So I'm trying to learn what he sees and then again, flip that over so that when I'm a defensive coach again, I can understand what they're trying to achieve. Yeah, that makes total sense. It's it's kind of like um, you know people that people that work in like computer networking and network protection and stuff. You learn to hack networks basically to be able to then learn to protect them. It's the same kind of idea, right? You learn learn what the exactly. offense are doing, and then you can. Yeah, I, I I like the idea of you know being around the people, just kind of being in the presence of the people that are, I guess, walking the path that you're you're trying to walk because it's. It, it's easy to, I think, like fall into this idea of learning the next four, five, six steps or whatever it is, and then just kind of being at a point. But I think there's a lot of value in just kind of watching people do what they do and, you know, thinking about the way that they're thinking about things, I guess. And I guess that's almost what I'm trying to do with, with, with this as well. You know, having these kind of conversations, it's I think it's interesting to just kind of pick apart how people think about these different things and because there's a lot of value in just kind of understanding the process that those people took to to reach a decision or whatever it is. Definitely. It? Yeah, because then you can, you can take all these experiences that you're gathering and you can make your own path and learn from that. I mean, I think that's, at the end of the day, what everyone does, isn't it, in terms of they, they hopefully try and pick as much up from other people and other people's experiences to help kind of mold their own um and create your own kind of identity that way yeah yeah definitely so alongside all of the well alongside you know representing national teams and coaching in the nfl and you know traveling all over the world you uh 
You also do uh, online coaching and, well, normal, I say normal air quotes, sort of personal training type stuff. Do you, how much of the, the work that you've been doing with the American football transfers into the way that you coach your online clients? Are they, I mean, are they, are they doing football workouts or like what kind of people are you working with and you know, how much does that, has that crossed over? Um, I think you learn how to push people a bit differently, not in a bad way, in a way that you can kind of figure out what their bodies can handle. Um, the communication is huge, especially with online clients. You need to be able to communicate, know where they're at, know how they're feeling, what they're eating, all of that. So um, I think it's helped in, in that way. Uh, I'm very lucky with my my clients that they're they're just great, you know, and I'm not trying to be unrealistic with them. I, I, uh, have a lot of people that are new to fitness, which is brilliant that they're making that conscious decision to move forwards, um, and create a more healthy lifestyle for themselves and their families. So making sure that you just create little habits, um, by doing these little changes. And that's, what's so key. I'm not one to push, go on a diet and do this. It, it has to be something that you can fit into your hectic lifestyle and fits with your family a lot of the time because kids don't necessarily want to eat everything or your partner may not want to do this. But if you can make it realistic, then hopefully you adhere to it over a long time and, and you get those long-term goals met as opposed to just a, a four-week okay, I need to lose a bit of weight, go on holiday, which, every, you know, there's there's room for that as well, definitely. Um, I just want to try and educate people the best that I can. Yeah, so I think the, the little and often style of message is, is, is getting through slowly but surely. We're, I mean, we're still a diet culture, a yo-yo, yo-yo diet culture, but we're getting there, I think, maybe. Um, the the habit building thing is i think another thing that some people hear a lot about but ne- don't necessarily know i guess where to start with that or what the details of that would be what kind of habits are you working on with people or, or are there kind of are there key things that you think are i think i think are most important when you're when you're working with new clients or is this just about just taking like one individual behavior regardless of what it is and just trying to kind of get one little win each week or whatever it is. Yeah. I mean, and everyone's different. I think the biggest thing is that clients need to be honest with your trainer. Um, it doesn't help anybody if you're fibbing about what you're doing or eating or anything like that. Um, so you need to build that trust and that honesty between the, between you guys. Um, in terms of little habits, it could be something like if you don't eat breakfast, eat breakfast, you know, and if you had, if you are going from not eating breakfast to perhaps having a flavored yogurt or I don't know, whatever it may be, then that's better than nothing. Um, so even though it's, you're like, oh, well, is that the best option for breakfast? Probably not, but you're actually having breakfast. So let's work with this here. Um, portion sizes, a lot of the times, people go for seconds. So maybe cut that back or alcohol. Maybe if you're having two glasses of wine a night, cut it down to one glass of wine a night, you know, just little things like that. And the same with exercise, the the best thing to help you adhere to exercise is putting it in your schedule because when it's in your schedule, you'll 
you have a higher chance of actually doing it because you've chosen to make time for it. Yeah. Yeah, definitely agree. That makes a lot of sense. Okay, so uh, if I'm listening to this and I'm interested in your on your online uh, coaching programs and different things like that, do you, is it something that you have a website for? Where do people find information about this stuff? Yep, so I've got a website, fitnesswithphoebe.com, or you can find me on Facebook, again, Fitness with Phoebe, um, and just send me a message and you know we'll have a consultation and we can, we can discuss how we can help you out, really. Awesome. Sounds super cool, yeah. So, yeah, I feel like this is probably a, a nice little spot to bookend our conversation. Uh, Sounds good. I, um, yeah, I've really enjoyed having this conversation. There's lots of lots of interesting stuff in there, and um, yeah, it's cool to hear about that experience with the bills. And you've been up to all kinds of stuff, like you know, hard yeah, to keep it's been track a of you. Yeah, hard to keep <laughs> track of you. But I knew once I once I could finally get you on the phone or on the computer. <laughs> There'll be some interesting stuff to go through. Yeah, well, thank you very much for taking a little bit of time out of your super hectic s- uh, schedule <laughs> to um, to chat with me and the listeners. Uh, no problem. Apologies, I haven't really been able to speak properly today. I keep bumbling over <laughs> my own words, but it's all good. You're fine. You me. still sound very posh, so oh, you're fine. <laughs> thank you very much. Yes, the English <laughs> eloquence. So, yeah, I will. For anyone that's been listening, that's interested in the stuff that Phoebe's been talking about and her coaching and everything, I will put the links for all of that in the description boxes and wherever you're listening to this. So, yeah, thank you again, Phoebe, for coming on. Thank you to everyone that has been listening to this episode. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. That was episode number 23 with Phoebe Schechter. Hope you guys enjoyed it. A big thank you to all of you that are supporting the podcast, leaving reviews and sharing on social media. Uh, Can't thank you guys enough. It's really awesome to see. Uh, If you haven't already, please take a second to leave a review on iTunes. It's super helpful for growing the show and helping more people hear it. Uh, If you have anyone that you would like to hear on the podcast, let me know. You can drop me an email. It's shanegodlymanshow at gmail.com. Or you can find me on Facebook, you can find me on Instagram. All of the information is in the info box below. So you can go check that out. Uh, Yeah, so thank you again for listening. Hope you enjoyed it and I will catch you next time.